well sharpen your pencils, set up those dice, and free your mind, because we're about to build an open world. Hello, my name is Knox Adams, my pronouns are he, him, and I am the mayor for open world, and I just want to let you know that I love you. Here on Build an Open World, we create diverse characters, accessible places, and supportive things that you can use as inspiration or even take directly and use in your own fantasy RPG worlds at home. Today, our guest is Mason. He joins us from uh, British Columbia. Lovely out there. (laughs) The West Coast, the best coast, as I like to say. Uh, Mason, can you... Introduce yourself. Well, I guess I just kind of introduced yourself, but let us know your pronouns. What is your experience with tabletop RPGs? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my name is Mason, as you said. Hello, friends. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I haven't had too much experience with tabletop gaming. I have done quite a few one-offs. I did one campaign um, probably like four or five years ago that lasted a little over a year with some friends. Um, but I haven't really done too, too much tabletop role-playing. I do a lot of tabletop board game playing um, and have been around the world of tabletop RPGs a lot. Um, But I'm excited to get a little bit more into it and kind of learn a little bit more about it. Amazing. Um, So based on your um, experience, what is a defining quality, a characteristic, or identity that you feel is lacking or non-existent in the fictional worlds that you have inhabited as both a creator or a player? I think like neurodiversity and disability are a huge one because it isn't something that really gets played into a role-playing character very often. Like you don't often have that be a part of what people are thinking of. And so I think that's something that's really interesting. Um, And it's also one of those things where I think disability is not really something that people that haven't ever experienced disability or been in a position where they would know someone that has a disability that's either a visible or invisible disability that they would uh, be cognizant of that. And so it seems like something that doesn't really come up in role-playing games at all when you're making characters. And so I think that would be kind of an interesting way to, like, uh, something interesting to explore. Yeah, I love that. Together, uh, me and Mason are going to create a character and a backstory in hopefully the next 20 minutes. That incorporates <laughs> that um, that idea of uh, disability, neurodiversity, um, that you feel is lacking in the worlds that you are familiar with. Before we get into the build, uh, please remember to take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep to be kept up to date on the latest additions to Open World. So just a disclaimer, myself and Mason are not experts in all the topics we're going to discuss today. Uh, so if you have any notes or comments based on what we discussed today, please let us know either on social media um, and we, we can add notes to the website to just... Uh, to update and to keep everything uh, more open for everyone involved. Yes. Do not claim to be an expert. Have never been an expert in almost anything. <laughs> so always happy to learn something yeah. new and always open to feedback. Oh, you have a D6 there? Perfect. Yeah. Roll that D6. I got a five. Five. Okay. So the first thing that, that we're going to be uh, building, we are going to be building a villain today. 
I am so in for that. Can you roll a D100? I got a 44. So we are going to make a rock gnome. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's give them a background. So if you could roll a D12. Nine. Guild artisan. Oh, she's artsy. I like it. <laughs> Let's roll for a class. I, I love the random chance that comes up in these conversations. Do another D12. It is a five. Fighter. Interesting. See, I wouldn't have picked fighter. I also feel that a lot of times you, when you think of a villain, you want to create this like over the top extreme, like magic, like lightning coming out of their fingers kind of thing where I feel like it's really cool to think of a villain who actually has possibly no magical element to them. It's I agree. Like, Cause it humanizes them a little bit more, right? Like yeah. it's, it's definitely something that's like more relatable. And that is always the best villain. Like you want a killmonger from black Panther, not like any of the villains from DC movies. Right. They're all bad. I don't know. For age, uh, this is not specifically like they're 33. I'm thinking more, are they a child? Are they youth? Are they young adult? Are they middle-aged? Are they senior, elder? Like, a, a range. Like, what are we seeing for this person? This raises some interesting questions, because, like, I instantly thought, like, well, they must be older than me because they're a villain, which is, like, an interesting thought to have. I was like, they have to be, like, middle-aged, a little bit older. What has life had to have done? Like, they had to live long enough to have, like, life mess with them somehow in order to like get them to that place of being a villain i think the cool part about the this process for me is always been like what is like what is my initial instinct and why is that my initial instinct and even if i go with that instinct that's completely fine but it's like is that instinct in there because it's just oh i want this character to be like this or is that instinct in there because historically media has taught me that that has to be true. What made me think of this was when you said, oh, they have to be older because life had to have messed them up a little bit. Where I'm like, well, do all villains have to be messed up by life? Like, could villains, could like, could there be a child villain? Like, is that possible? And and again, we can make this character middle-aged. That's fine. I I just like to always think of like, what's the reason we think they have to be something? Like, why is something have to be a certain way. Like, I think that there's a lot of different ways that people can be, like, perceived as a villain. And so right. it could just be that, like, they're a villain because they have selfish motives or something like that. And, like, that doesn't really have anything to do with age. Great example, the Bachelor franchise. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go down a tangent. So here's the thing about the Bachelor franchise. There's always a villain on the show. It doesn't matter what age they are. But, like, that's the thing. Right. It's, like, you can vilify somebody for any reason. It just is interesting that that was my first thought was, mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's that Disney villain of like the evil stepmother or like something. Well, yeah. Okay. I think let's stick with middle age. Body size. Well, because it's like even when you like the times that I have made characters, it's been on like D and D Beyond, and like you, they have pictures of all of these things. It's always kind of the same archetype of a human, something to go off of, and it's good to feel heroic. Like that's part mm -hmm. of the reason you want to do it is you want to feel like you're the hero. I would say that I'm a little bit more heavy set than most people so i think that that's like a an interesting piece because like i wouldn't mind if my character was a little bit more heavy set like it's just like mm -hmm. a little bit bigger than like the normal person but i wouldn't think to like visualize that person if that makes sense right and i think i again it's it goes back to those things where you said when we play these games we all want to be like heroic and see a heroic somebody who is more heavy set why can't they be heroic why isn't that a heroic build 
like like yeah all right so what do we think this what do we think do we think what are we thinking for this body size of this no i still do think it would be nice if they were a little bit more heavy set like i think that is an interesting thing to do i mean they're a villain so i feel like they should be a man okay so (laughs) gender identity male yeah and like even if you want to put cis male i think that that is fine like it'll creates that space that this is a world where we identify those things. I mean, like we could put male at birth because that makes sense. And then gender expression. I think they identify it. I think they'll, they're, they express as male as well. They present as male. Do we want to move into sexual orientation while we're here? Just, I think this one is interesting because like my initial thought was that I wanted to have this person be bisexual because that is like how I personally identify. And it's also something that I don't necessarily get to play out all the time in my life um, because I, one, am in a heteronormative relationship. So I don't necessarily present as LGBTQ plus. So I think it's one of those things where it's a part of my identity that doesn't get visually put out there in the world. But then at the same time, I'm thinking this is a villain and I'm like, we don't need any more queer people to be villains, so I don't know. Let's go ahead and make them bisexual, because I think that is, like, important. I think it would be good. Again, this can be a relatable villain. Yeah, let's pull up a rock gnome generator. I always find these things hilarious. Dorkrin. Um, Panna Ziver. Panna Mop. Corcus. Ian Ben. Urkus. Sorry, was that just Ian Ben? As in the name Ian and the name Ben put together? Yeah, but one word. <laughs> Yeah, I want that. That's my name. Ian, Ian Ben. Ben. <laughs> yeah. Ian Ben. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Are those, is that two different? No, no. One name. One name. No, one name. One name. It like, it really takes me back to like growing up in Alabama. Double names is a whole thing. You did mention that you want disability and neurodiversity to be a part of this. Well, this it's an interesting question because I'm at a place now where I don't share these identities. For those of you listening to this podcast, you may not know I'm a white guy. So I <laughs> want to just like acknowledge my own positionality in that space of being cognizant that if I'm kind of role playing to a less privileged group than myself, like what does that mean? And like, is this not necessarily my character? It's just a character in the story, but also like, what does that mean for this person? And like me as a cisgendered white guy coming up with these things. For this, I think it would be interesting to have somebody that was an amputee. Yeah. Do you see that being a leg, an arm? Arm. And do you think they have a prosthetic or? I imagine a prosthetic. Um, And you also mentioned the word neurodiversity specifically. Like a character with ADHD. I think that would be interesting because it would be something that like wouldn't necessarily be, it can be something that is not right away noticeable if you're talking with someone or spending time with someone, but can also be like really impactful for that, how that person like moves through the world. Yeah. And that's so being able to like come in and see that a character like kind of wears that disability with pride almost. They don't hide from it. They it's it's something that is actively a part of who they are. It's something they wear like like the fact that they have a prosthetic arm. Like I imagine that being like they're wearing that with pride. Like they're not hiding they're not trying to like pretend it's a real arm. 
mm-hmm. there because we want all of these things to be as open and honest because then people can see themselves in the character. So yeah, so I wonder if we can get to a place where we can think of something like that. Or if we can't, then maybe somebody listening might have an idea of yeah. how they have dealt with it. Yeah, 100%. What are we thinking for mental health conditions? A more prominent part of the population where I live, where like seasonal affective disorder is like a really huge issue that we deal with. I like that. I mean, I obviously don't like it. <laughs> I, but <yeah>. I, <laughs> um, and it, that that kind of falls into... Like oh, and I'm, right? I said disorder, but it should be depression. It's seasonal affective depression. Oh, okay. And maybe that goes with, like, if they're a rock gnome and they spend a lot of time, like, underground, every once in a while they go up above ground and they're like, oh, sun helps? Alrighty, so we got illness. Yeah, I think for this one, I think I'm making a conscious decision not to fill in illness. Like, okay. we're just not going to fill it in. Race, culture, religion, and language. These four, I like to think of if we are pulling from real world examples to to influence how we see this character, how we hear this character, what this character looks like, wears, uh, believes, sounds like. Are we pulling mm-hmm. from a real world example? I kind of identify with like the pale rock gnome. Like I think that that actually would make sense for this. So I kind of want to go with that. Yeah. I think that. And again. It's just about making conscious decisions. So it's like yeah. realizing that we're making a pale rock gnome. We don't have to. Then what about, is there a culture? I would like them to be from the Midwest. The American Midwest. Oh wait. I love it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I That's perfect. And then seen... obviously Midwest accent. Now. Yeah, the Midwest accent. <laughs> Heavy. I feel like this kind of sets into tone. Okay, so... An American Midwest, I see this kind of very underground because there's still a rock gnome. Yeah. But, but like, it's all very flat land as far as the eye can see. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but you're underneath yes. the earth. And, yes. and there's just, like, farms of, like, rock farms. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not living in the mountains. I'm, uh, I'm like... Rural <laughs> Indiana, but I love, like I love out there in a cornfield. They all and they all say that they're like, oh no, we're not in the mountains, you know. But then, <laughs> but then they're literally underneath the mountains. Religion. <laughs> I do kind of want to make them Zoroastrian because it's just such a fun religion that like is not something that you ever see in the world. I don't even know how to Zoro. So totally. can you explain what how this this religion? would um, influence Ian Ben. Wouldn't necessarily always present, but they, this character is somebody that is part of a very small community. Like there are still practicing Zoroastrians in the world, but it's a very, very, very small religious community. Smaller religion is really interesting, like, because they don't have the same kind of push. Like Zoroastrianism doesn't have that push to like convert people to their religion. Right. So this one, so what I'm getting is that this what we're pulling from Zoroastrianism is that kind of an ancient religion that not very many people know of, if at all. Like and and again, mm-hmm. the religions are all going to be game specific. So wherever you go, but this this character believes in an ancient religion that not many people do, but he has found community from it. And I think what's I think what is really important is that their villainness 
is not associated with the religion at all. Family status, no immediate family. Marital status is going to be single. I don't know. They put up a lot of walls. They're pretty guarded. <laughs> they are bisexual, though. So that's true. They will have so maybe they will have sex. Yeah, they don't put up that wall. Like there's no wall there, but there's a lot of other walls. <laughs> there's a very open door to their pants. Very big walls to their heart. <laughs> exactly. Now you're understanding where the person is coming from. So then, socioeconomic status. Yeah, I would say like upper middle class makes sense to me. Life experience and upbringing. Were they always a part of Zoroastrian? Like this, not not Zoroastrian, but are, uh, were they all a they, part? Yeah, I think that like is part of their upbringing. I think that that okay. is something that they have been, yeah, like a religious upbringing. Religious, is, it makes sense. And was the veganism part of it? Do you think that's, if they're underground, like raised by rock gnomes, so. I think it's part of it. I think that is part of it, 100%. Religious, vegan, were, would you think they were, like, they had a positive experience with their family? Like, do you think they were raised by loving parents? Yeah, I think so. That's the sense I got from my conversations with Ian Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I like that, too, because it's it's such an easy trope to fall into where it's, like, childhood trauma causes the villain to be the villain. Right. It's, like, boring. So then, life experience... Right. So where are their turning points? Where was yeah. there a moment where there was a crossroads in their life? He got sued for malpractice and had to like leave the guild. Like that kind of vibe. I like, love I love that. I love that <laughs> this turning point has literally nothing to do with what we've talked about. <laughs> that's yeah, no. that's no, I I love that. He was sued for malpractice. Yeah. Like Some in creating like rock art or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like somebody was like, oh, this is not art anymore and sued him and he lost and he lost his art. He lost his his gilder. Like he no longer is. He can't part sell. Of the yeah, he can't sell there anymore. And like, so he's. Yeah, exactly. He started like losing money. I agree. Super malpractice for create. Um, <laughs> for creating for bad art. Bad art. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yo, they said my art was bad. Let's go kill him. Let's go. <laughs> now I'm a villain. Privilege. Right, but I did say with the cuz he has like the pale white skin. So mm -hmm. I think that like he is part of the like majority group of rock gnomes. Like I think that he In his location. Yeah, like in his location yes. he is he's part of the majority, especially probably in this ancient uh religious community. And, like, raised by loving parents, that's already a privilege there. Yep, and he's got, like, socioeconomic privilege by being in the upper middle class. <laughs> I do think, like, I was trying really hard to make a relatable villain, but I think with that, like, last left turn <laughs> into, like, they're just angry about being sued for having bad art. They can be just, like, <laughs> giving them such a so much that they were so bad reason to be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> Like, are they, because they probably, that was probably huh? what they did. They spent most of their, this is, they spent most of their time underground kind of making the art from their rock farms. Yep. Um, then once a season, they go up above to a guild, up, like above ground, 
where like a farmer's market of some sort where they feel really happy and that's why they feel so happy they're like they so when they when they go back down they have that seasonal affective depression when they go back down (laughs) leaving the sun so then when they get sued for malpractice they can never go back up above they're like am i never going to feel that happiness again oh no okay yeah that'll mess you up (laughs) (laughs) that'll turn you into some villainy i think this is a great like overall uh arc for this character i have one last question Um, okay based on the character we just created if we can adjust an element of traditional fantasy to make a more open and accessible world for this character specifically i was kind of curious with this idea of using a more minority religion what if there just isn't a like global majority religion like what if there's like not really Christianity, Islam, like two of the larger religions in the mm-hmm. world. Like what if that is not something that has dominated the world landscape or they wouldn't try to convert them. Like right. I think that's also like a big piece of it is like a lot of the time it's like a religion is based on the idea that like, oh, we need to convert you because we're actually trying to save you so that you don't burn in hell for all of eternity or whatever. So right. I think so- that that's like, a piece of it is like there's not a conversion, a, religious conversion. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I really like that because yeah, the more you're converting people, obviously certain ones are going to get bigger and certain ones are going to get smaller. So the whole thing yeah. is that no one's trying to convert anyone. There's no religious yeah. conversion. They're like once you believe something, you believe it. Yeah, and you can pick to choose something different to believe, but it's your choice, not something that you're feeling like pressured to do. I love that. Thank you, as always. Everyone listening, you can find a character sheet for this character and a visual representation of what we think Ian Ben might look like at openworldrpg.org slash podcast. Also there, you can find any additional links or resources that we use to make this character, or you can find a preview of all that information on our socials by searching Open World RPG and looking for that D20. Thank you, Mason, for being here today and helping me build a more open world. Is there anywhere that you want listeners to find you online yeah you can follow me on instagram i'm the southern canadian on instagram so you can find me there uh that's where i post all of my board game content so that would be fun for you to check out um and i just wanted to say thank you for having me this has been so much fun oh my gosh thank you um well thank you all for listening we'll be back next week with a new guest helping me create a new character as we continue to build an open world. I love you all!